think on the in the opening talk on the first evening, I um, touched a little bit about um, on the this theme of a wide and, and wonderful path, and um, particularly that aspect of inclusivity, of including everything within this path, that it's not a path that excludes any aspect um, of our life. And I'd like to, um, to kind of reflect more on that this evening uh, with you, uh, on that inclusivity, um, sometimes we say bringing our life into the path rather than our path into our life, yeah. bringing the life into the path. And um, the, the meditation that I was guiding this afternoon is, um, is um, kind of a, sorry, I'm not getting the words, you have to bear with me, an improvisation, that's what I was looking for, it was an improvisation on a, on a, a meditation by uh, a teacher called Joanna Macy. Some of you may have heard of her. She's a Dharma teacher, uh, better known for being um, an activist, environmental activist in particular. Um, and one of um, one of the the favourite quotes I've ever heard from her is um, she was asked how she would um, how she sees herself. Yeah, how she sees herself. And her response was, I see myself as a flow-through. How do you see yourself? You know, when we think about ourselves, when that question arises, you know, we see, how do you see yourself? Yeah, I see myself as so many things, yeah, so many roles and identities um, that we may have. And her response is, I see myself as a flow-through. Um, and you can ask a flow through of what. <laughs> so, um, you know, when we reflect on this body, heart, and mind, and kind of it's a little bit what we were touching on in the meditation. Um, you know, we're a flow through of of nutrients. Right, we take nutrients in, and they get broken down and digested in the body. And you may not know this about Guy House, but you do now. There's a compost toilet. If you use that, those nutrients go right back into the soil. Yeah, after they've been used by this body, they kind of go and are available for, for other bodies. So we're a flow through. Yeah, we're a flow through of food, nutrients. We're a flow through of water. That's a little bit more easy to see. A flow through of, of the breath. Which we're really exploring this afternoon. Yeah. I think of like we breathe in, we breathe out, we breathe in, we breathe out, and it often can feel like, oh, you know, it's the same breath, is it? <laughs> that would be unfortunate if it was the same breath. <laughs> Wouldn't have much oxygen left in it for very long. Yeah. It's like a flow through of the breath, and also a flow through of emotions, of mental life. Um, of physical events, right? Physical happenings, body happenings, um, and flow through of social conditioning, family conditioning, 
human conditioning. And sometimes we can, and I think this is what Gianna Macy's is meaning, you know, we're a flow-through of life, yeah, and all its different, all the different aspects of it, all the different things that make it up. So another, um, another teacher here, a guy in the house, Catherine, Catherine McGee, she, she has this, um, this is also a paraphrasing of something that she says, but what if we saw... What if I saw myself, what if you saw yourself, um, as a meeting point, yeah? this body, heart, mind, flow through, meeting point of multiple threads of the universe coming together. Yeah? Coming together in this unique location, at this unique point in time. Yeah? And then changing, because <laughs> it flows, right? So it's like this unique, all these threads of the universe coming together and meeting here and changing and meeting, yeah, meeting other threads. So this is, um, you know, this is another way of looking that we can pick up and use, yeah, apply in our practice, uh, the formal practice, yeah, and the cushion, and also. Um, the ongoing practice of being a living being, yeah, which is not just limited to the cushion. We can kind of pick that up and see what happens. Yeah, what happens when I um, when I practice in this way? What happens when I look in this way? When I tune to the sense of life flowing through, yeah, and of these threads coming together and then flowing on, yeah. coming together and changing. What opens up? And what kind of, what is, um, what makes itself available? What becomes available through that? Maybe I'll just take a moment to, to, to pause and just let, let you feel for yourself. What, what does this allow? When I look at my experience, when I look at that sense of me as a flow through, and as a meeting point, threads coming together, in a particular way, in a particular place, in a particular moment in time. So for me, and you know, you, you may have a variety, there's probably a variety of responses here in the hall, um, but for me what, what comes um, through that opening, um, through that tuning in to that way of looking, um, is a real nourishment and a real sense of flexibility and actually of resilience. It's, it's really interesting, it might not be your experience, but what happens when I say that word? That in that flow through, yeah, and, and really tuning in to, to that going on all the time on so many levels, there's a flexibility and a resilience. And when I say resilience, I, um, I mean the kind of resilience that bamboo has. 
you know, like rooted into the ground and then having that incredible flexibility and seeming like quite a flimsy thing and actually being one of the strongest materials on the earth, including um, human-made materials. Like bamboo is really strong. Having that kind of kind of resilience. And I think another thing that we can open to is when we, we kind of tune into that way of looking at our experience, when we pick that, that up, our perspective really shifts. Yeah. Perspective really shifts and grows. And with that, also our wisdom. Does that make sense? Or am I talking gibberish? <laughs> The perspective grows and with that wisdom. <laughs> so picking that up as a way of looking that we can apply, yeah, to the inner, to the outer, whatever is arising. Yeah, this is a flow through. And of course we can also see others in that way. It can get really interesting. You know, someone's having a go at us and we can just look at them and say, oh, it's just a flow through. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> can you imagine? You can imagine, obviously, because you're laughing. You know, it brings this great sense of lightness to something that feels really like, uh, yeah. it's a flow through, which it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it brings lightness. And this kind, of, this way of looking also um, reveals something which is very primary to Dharma practice, um, which is this sense of the not separateness. Yeah. When I when I look at myself as a flow through, when I look at someone else as a flow through, when I look at life as a flow through, I can see it reveals the connection, it reveals the not separate nature. And it reveals our engagement. Yeah. It reveals our engagement. I teach a, a, well, almost every year. I've been teaching a retreat in Israel almost every year, which is um, an engaged Dharma retreat, so a retreat for activists. And the first year I was teaching it, one of my teachers was teaching a parallel retreat in the same same place. And we asked him to come and, and speak to the to the group that was doing the engaged arm retreat, retreat for activists. And he came and he's quite a he likes to be a, you know controversial kind of provocative. So he came and he said, um, you know, it's pretty ridiculous to put the word engaged in front of the word dharma. Because it's like an, I think the phrase is an oxymoron, like they, they mean the same thing. Yeah. So dharma in its nature is engaged, and it reveals engagement. Yeah. From the most simple thing, like we did today, the breath. You know. When we breathe, we are in relationship, in engagement 
Right, we're breathing in. Now we're breathing in <coughs> oxygen that um, was breathed out by, you know, to some degree other humans, but even more, our plant brothers and sisters. Yeah. Some, some of the oxygen we're breathing is, I think I heard it's 10,000 years old. And some of the oxygen that's in, in the atmosphere that we're breathing was created by trees, by plants that have long ago disappeared, except they're here, <laughs> yeah, in the oxygen that's feeding us. So, and then when we breathe out, of course, what are we breathing out? Yeah. Breathing out something that nourishes plants, yeah, CO2. So keep that, so even with the breath, just the simplicity of the breath, we're engaged. We're part of this network of life flowing through and unfolding. And this goes, you know, this thread is there through everything we do. Yeah, through everything we do, everything we are. Our intentions, what we spend our time doing, how we attend to our mind and our heart. Yeah, that ripples. It doesn't stay contained within this organism. Yeah, it ripples. It affects. That's pretty wonderful. I think. Sometimes it freaks people out. I'm sorry for speaking out. Yeah. We kind of rest back into that sense of, that's pretty wonderful. Yeah, that we're part of this network. Yeah. Didn't choose to be. No, we didn't choose. We don't choose it. We are. It's flowing through us and we're flowing through it. And I feel this is a particular resource, can be a particular resource for us um, in our in our times. You know, we live in times that have a lot of challenge in them. Yeah. On the individual level, on the level of society, on the level of the planet. We face a lot of challenges, and they affect us. Yeah? They affect us even um, even if we choose to do everything we can to, to not know. It still affects us because we're sensitive, yeah? and we're connected. So this question of Yes, we're already engaged, and yet how do we engage intentionally with this reality or with this aspect of our, of our existence? It's really, um, really worth exploring, I feel. And so I want to kind of go into it a little bit with some examples. Maybe you already realized I like examples. And the first one is, is really simple and very everyday. This was a conversation, based on a conversation I had with a friend um, quite a few months ago, but it, it stayed 
with me. And we were talking about what happens when we stand in a queue. You know, when, when we stand in a queue. And I can tell you some of my queue stories. I really don't like standing in a queue. So when I'm on retreat, um, myself at Gaia House, I, um, I just have this, you know, I have all these uh, ways of avoiding the queue. The best one being, you know, come to a meal 15 minutes late and then there's no queue. And then realizing, you know, all these strategies are going on about something really pretty silly, you know, because I think a lot of us, we find, yeah, cue can be, there's some agitation around it. And of course, it really depends on the circumstances. Maybe here, with the food, it is really pretty ridiculous because, you know, I'm not in a rush anywhere. There's plenty of food. Um, no real good reason. Uh, but sometimes we might be in a, in a hurry, you know, we may be tired, there may be a lot of stuff going on uh, that affects, you know, how we are with the cues. Our past conditioning, of course, I blame my mother for my aversion to cues. Always good. She knows. <laughs> so, you know, we have many reasons, we have many um, conditions that, that kind of bring about our reaction. And, and it's interesting to see that sometimes we also have certain ideas, you know, okay, what would be my ideal about, about cues? So one is that there weren't any at all, that would be my ideal, but since there, there are, um, then my ideal would be to, to be in a queue and be completely um, unbothered, yeah, unperturbed, right? Like, especially if I'm a spiritual person, that would just, my Dharma teacher, even more, you know, of course, you know, I should be in a queue and be completely equanimous. Right? So that can be our view that we, that we develop. I should be able to be there and kind of be relaxed and chilled and balanced and unagitated. And generally, even if, you know, it's not particularly about queues, we may have that same sense around different life events. Yeah, traffic jams. Um, yeah any kind of, you know, making decisions, any kind of unpleasant life event. <coughs> and so seeing this aspiration of, you know, you have an aspiration of, yeah, being in those situations, being unperturbed by them, is a really beautiful, you know, very beautiful aspiration, yeah, and um, can really reduce suffering for ourselves and for others. Yeah, the more relaxed we are, yeah that's agitated, other people are going to get. Um, but sometimes, and this was what was going on in this conversation I was having with my friend, was like, is that it? You know, is that like the, that's the, what we're aiming for, is to be in those situations and just to be unperturbed, not bothered. Or is there, is there more in this kind of realm of engaging with life? And for me, when I reflect on it, there's, there's definitely more, yeah, so this kind of question of what can I learn, yeah, and kind of what happens around this engagement in this situation, um, can have a lot more, um, a lot more juice in it. So if we look at this example of the cue, Sometimes, you know, standing there feeling really agitated, the, the most skillful response is to see how can I calm, yeah, and ground, 
right? Breathe, maybe bring compassion um, or kindness towards myself, ground in the body. Uh, maybe close my eyes or if that feels too weird, then just look down towards the floor. You know, find a way of really kind of gaining some, some calm, some balance, some steadiness in the system. So that's one kind of way that I can engage with an everyday situation. Yeah. And then another way, and maybe that takes some degree of grounding, would be to start investigating the experience just like we've been doing here. You know, so I can kind of look at, you know, am I taking this really personally? You know, what happens if I remember that I'm flow through? So this agitation in the mind, you know, and, and whatever is there is, is flowing through. You know, I don't need to take it personally. Or what if I pick up the looking at it through impermanence? Yeah, and seeing this is impermanent, both in the long term, I'm not going to be standing in this queue forever, but also in the moment-to-moment passing of experience. You know, there's a breath, there's a thought, there's an anxiety in the body, <laughs> there's a breath, yeah, there's a sight, there's a sound. Yeah, it's impermanent. It's not just. Yeah. So I can start to investigate the experience. What can I learn about my underlying views and conditioning? Yeah. I've been making jokes here about, you know, blaming my mother and all of that, but, you know, that can be something about learning. What's my underlying view? What's my underlying conditioning that's kind of feeding the agitation of, you know, if I was a guy house, I wouldn't mind standing around, you know, with a few people in front and a few people behind me and just be, you know, doing that. What's what's the underlying view? And this is one of my favorite questions that I like to ask myself in these situations. How does it feel to be alive right now? How does it feel to be alive right now? Because, you know, at least I, maybe you don't, but I forget that I'm alive. I'm so kind of in that, whatever that is. Yeah. How does it feel to be alive? And all of these kind of questions, and, and you can probably find your own that really work for you, all these ways of looking in a situation, can you see that they take something that is daily, mundane, yeah, that we just want to get through most of the time, yeah, and make it into a real opportunity of engagement. And then, of course, it doesn't just stop with us. Yeah, it doesn't just stop with us. Another thing I like to do is, you know, so some enough groundedness only needs a little bit in myself, and then looking up. And I'm Israeli, so it's very easy for me to do, um, you know, like to look at people. It's okay in our culture. <laughs> so you know, just looking, yeah, and, and seeing who else is here. Yeah, who else is here? And just taking that in, and suddenly there may be a sense of community. Yeah. Or I might notice an opportunity for kindness. Maybe there's someone else who you know needs to get out of this queue quicker than me. Yeah. So there might be an opportunity for kindness. 
when I just kind of look up and out of that self-experience into what else is happening and who else is here in this community. Or another one of my favorites is, is look up to see other acts of kindness that are going on. Like usually when I look up in that, in that intention, yeah, I can see that. And I can really, um, really, really encourage you to try all these things. And I recently had like a month where most of the month I was like in, in deep nature. And then I had these short periods when I was suddenly kind of moving very fast through very urban environments. And every time I was, how am I going to do this? And it's such a difficult transition. And then I'd have this thing, okay, I'm going to look for beauty. Yeah? I'm going to look for kindness. And then you see it. Yeah? You see it. The most unexpected places. So we can, you know, that's, that's the engagement. And when that, when this, this being is then more relaxed, more alive, more um, open, then that, every interaction then is affected by that. So it doesn't stay here. So our practice can support us in our engagement in the world, and as I said, we're engaged all the time. Yeah? can support us in our engagement in the world in, in so many ways. Yeah? It can support us as a refuge. Yeah? So standing in the queue and looking in and grounding and calming. Yeah? It's a place of refuge that we can find. And it can support us in cultivation of opening to beauty, opening to kindness, opening to compassion, opening to community, yeah? cultivating that. And it can support us to see our actions as in the world as part of that movement of practice and deepening. You know, not separate from, not other than. The way we are, the way we speak, the way we act, our choices. From the kind of most detailed, minute ones to the big ones. They're part of our practice. They're part of our depth. And again, that's a huge invitation and huge possibility. I want to give another example of that, but I only have time for one, so I need to take a moment and choose. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen, but I was putting it off, the choice. So this is, a, um, this is an example from... Um, my own experience and, and the experience of others um, in a leprosy community that I, I go to, uh, been going to every year for the last 15 years, um, where we have a work and meditation retreat. And if you've been on retreat with me before, you've probably heard stories from this place, and you may have even heard this story, so I apologize for that. So this is um, a story about a young woman called Jyoti. Um, who was about 20 years old when we met her and she was 
in the, in the community. She herself didn't have leprosy, but sometimes people end up there um, because there's nowhere else for them to be. And she had very, um, very acute um, rheumatoid arthritis, I think. Um, and because of the different levels of healthcare that are available there, it had really deteriorated. So she was um, bed, bed bound and um, her arms were like this and her legs were also, um, couldn't be stretched out. Um, and she, because of this condition, she was in the community, but she was in the, um, in the home for the, the elders, we call it the Wisdom Bank, where the older people live who um, can no longer uh, work as much, and so they, they live somewhere where there's a little bit more care offered, and she was there because of that. Um, and meeting her um, and developing a relationship with her over the years, both, uh, both um, ourselves and, and some of the people who would come with us regularly, um, you know, a lot of emotion would arise um, to, to see her in that situation. You know, of course, pain is the, is the, the first one, and a sense of care and concern, and a really deep wish to alleviate her suffering. Um, and then also there would be blame and anger because um, her family was actually living in the community uh, but not looking after her. So there was a lot of anger and blame and also some of the carers where she was weren't very kind to her. So, you know, there was a lot of, of anger and blame. And then also guilt follows closely behind, you know, because we come for a month a year and she's here every single day. And we're choosing to leave. Yeah. We're choosing to leave. So a lot to leave. So a lot of difficult um, emotions coming up. And then amongst us the kind of, you know, a few people who were in really involved um, with Jyoti who I have to say, was her name, Jyoti means light, and she was a real being of light, like absolutely radiant. Um, we were constantly, year after year, looking for the, the right response, looking for the right thing to do. And some of it was very obvious, so during the time we were there, we would care for her, and she would receive her you know, better care, you know, a bath every day and clean clothes and proper toileting and all of that. And obviously that was one response during the time that we were there. But also trying to build bridges with the family. Yeah, so going to visit them and inviting them. Um, and also trying to find someone who could be a long-term carer for her. Yeah. And you know, other lots, lots of different ideas. You know, buying a special wheelchair and lots and lots of different ideas. And every time we would go through this process yeah, of coming and doing what we could do and doing what we could do, and then at the end of that month, leaving with things being pretty much the same as they were. Yeah, 
And the interesting, there's a lot of interesting things with this, which, yeah, I could probably give ten Dharma talks about about what we could take from this experience. Um, but one of them was that commitment to keep trying, to keep doing the best thing we can. Yeah, the best thing we can, even after failing time and time again, seemingly failing. I want to hold the the, the concept of failing very, very lightly here. So a real commitment of um, the internal transformation, actually, of the heart. Yeah, the internal transformation of the heart to become free of the causes of suffering. Yeah, so seeing in the situation the causes of suffering that, it, that are in all of our hearts. Yeah the greed, that movement towards things, the aversion, the ill will, the anger, and at the root of all that, the ignorance. And we can say that forgetting that we're a flow through, forgetting our connectivity, forgetting our own possibility, how big our heart actually is and what we can do. So that commitment to the internal transformation which then does not allow the heart to close if there's that commitment then the heart does not close and nobody and nothing is left outside of the heart so we can understand the father who finds it too painful to see his daughter in this condition and can only come to the door of her room and then pretty much run away again We don't condone, we don't think this is the way things should be. But we can understand that pain. We can understand the younger brothers and sisters, again, who just cannot, don't have, they don't have the support and the capacity to hold that. So they come when we're there, but they don't come when we're not. We can understand that. We can have that commitment to the inner transformation and also have the commitment to keep working towards external transformation. Do you see how the two support each other? If we see that this is ours, it's not just in him or her or them, it's ours, then the commitment to transform my own heart gives me the strength and the resilience keep working for transformation even when it seems even when it seems like all my ideas are just going to fizzle out even when it seems like that and the commitment to the the external transformation of the causes of suffering for all beings not just the one not just this one, not just that one it's a big source of um, strength and power in our practice. And the interest, see, what can I learn here about the human condition? What can I learn here about the human condition? Through this experience, through seeing me, through seeing the other, what can I learn? And this is where it comes, you know, when I said remembering that I'm a flow through and remembering that so is the other. Yeah. And 
what gives this 20-year-old woman, you know, who grew to be 25, 26, what gives her this amazing capacity to be a being of light in these conditions? That's a mystery. The flow through. So when things are a flow-through, when we open to the fact that everything is a flow-through, one big thing that opens to us is things that flow through change. Right? A flow-through is change, is changeable. And that again gives us a real resource and power when we connect to that, when we open to that. So this is where we go back to the non-failure. Nothing is wasted. Yeah, any act of kindness, any act of consideration, any act of determination to align with possibility, never wasted. It just can't be. Yeah. And you know, and, and, and we could see in ourselves the fruits, of course, right here. Yeah. Getting to know myself better, getting to know the human condition better getting to know, you know, this amazing community that this was happening in better. Learning again and again to breathe when meeting difficulty. Can't underestimate that, to breathe when meeting difficulty. Remembering to do that to align with the flow-through of conditions, to relax contraction. All things we've been doing here. Relax tension, relax contraction. And tune in to intention and aspiration in any situation as a way to stay steady, to gain perspective. And staying awake to what is unfolding well. Also really important, staying awake to her happiness when we were there. And to so many other things that were happening, that were signs of things that are going well. Things that are going well. So Jyoti died about three years ago, I think. Very peacefully. Um, it seemed like she had just was just ready to let go of life, and she just she just went. And this January, when I was in Ananda one again, and I go every morning to work at the Wisdom Bank, the home for the elderly. And um, I was walking there one of the first mornings, and I bumped into a sister. It's called Artie. It's another form of light, who I'd gotten to know really well um, over the years. And we were walking together and talking, and I knew that she had finished her degree. She was telling me that she was now a teacher um, in the primary school, which is just next to the Wisdom Bank. And so she was walking to work at school, I was walking. And just before we said goodbye, she said to me, Will you be there at about one o'clock? 
And I said, oh, I'm not sure why. And she said, oh, I come every day at one o'clock on my lunch break to read to the ladies in the Wisdom Bank. I come every day on my lunch break to read to the ladies in the Wisdom Bank. So we let go of ideas of success and failure. Because in this flow through of life, it flows. And a young woman, who's probably 22, 23 years old, has found her way to the place that she couldn't go to a few years ago to be with her sister, but now she can come and bring joy and care and love to others who are there. So we let go of success and failure and we yeah, trust in that flow through of life and in that commitment to do what we can to transform the roots of suffering in ourselves and in the world from the roots and from the branches and from the trees in every possible way that we can. So we can keep doing this yeah, with anything that touches us. Yeah, whether it's joyful or painful, we can remember to breathe and to make space in the body. And we can align with the, that sense of flow through. And we can relax the contraction in it or around it. And we can tune into our intentions and our aspirations. And we can be, I don't know if you remember that far back to the beginning of the talk in the queue, we can be unperturbed and disturbed at the same time. Yeah, we can hold the two. We can have that steadiness and we can be really bothered yeah, by things that are not okay. Yeah, we can have the two. So we don't necessarily know what needs to be done, but we know that something needs to be done. Yeah. We don't always know exactly what needs to be done, but we know, we all know that something needs to be done. And that is again a source of strength and a place of practice. Yeah? We can root down like that bamboo and open out and do what we can. And do what we can. So we make, we do the things we can, we take the steps we can, and we have no way of knowing where it will lead. So this practice is a practice of fearlessness, not because fear does not arise, but because it doesn't have the last word. Yeah. 
not because it doesn't arise, but because it doesn't have the last word. And it's a practice of clarity, not because confusion doesn't arise, but because confusion doesn't have the last word. And it's a practice of acknowledging our humanity. We acknowledge what challenges us, and we embrace it. It's part of our path. And we ask deeply what can be done. What is the next step? And we do it. And this works in both ways. The way we are in the world impacts how we are in the cushion, and the way we are in the cushion impacts how we are in the world. So we're in the ending, yeah, the last part of the retreat together. And I'd just like to offer um, a way of looking that can be really useful here which is about intention. Yeah. So for the last part of this retreat, of this time here together, to really reflect, what is my intention? The intention for being here, the intention that brought me here, the intention for this, yeah, for the next, you know, hours of today and for the time tomorrow until the retreat ends. And what is the intention of this moment? Any of those. We can reflect on that, we can rest back into that, and we can let that inform how we are and what we put into practice. Let's have a, a quiet moment to close together. for yourself what is present what is your intention what is your wish for being here for this precious time someday we all tune into our intention it as best we can. And may our practice together be a support for the transformation of suffering and its causes in our own hearts and in all beings. Thank you for your listening and your presence. And we'll take some time for walking until the final sit together where we'll we'll have some chanting again. Thank you.